If we hear the word of God and we don't do it, we're actually self-deluded. And that's a serious thought. And James is going to ask us to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, what kind of hearer are you and me? That's today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Every one of us is in a process of change. And change, for most of us, comes little by little. I'm not talking about walking out of here and every time you hit the mark with quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about perfection. But I am talking about an intention to let God's word actually change you. And as I look around this room, I know that this room is filled with a bunch of people with that heart, with that desire to change. And so James says, look, you're either a doer or you're deluded. You're either an amener or you're someone who actually wants to go out and do the word. Jesus said, what do you think? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, son, go to work today in the vineyard. He answered and said, I will, sir. Amen. I'll go, dad. But he did not go. He came to the second son and said the same thing. And he answered and said, I will not. Yet afterward, he regretted it and he went. Jesus says, which of the two did the will of his father? They said the latter. And Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the tax gatherers and harlots will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax gatherers and harlots did believe him. And you seeing this did not even feel remorse afterwards so as to believe in him. Douglas Moo says, Jesus' preaching is filled with overwhelming, amazing wonder of God's sovereign grace, reaching down to sinful man in the gospel. But equally prominent in Jesus' summons is Jesus' summons to radical obedience. In obedience that is the necessary human response to God's grace. The gospel contains both the saving power of God and a summons to obedience, close quote. Chuck Swindoll wrote a book some years ago, and I'm going to just summarize what he said. He said, could you imagine if, let's say you work for a company, and your boss says, hey, I'm going to go set up a branch of our company in Europe, and I'm going to be gone for six months, and I'm going to travel overseas, and I'm leaving you in charge. So imagine he, he puts you in charge of everything, and he goes off to Europe, and he sends you a letter every week with instructions of what to do and how to run the company and how to take care of things. And you receive each of those letters, and then when he, he comes back, let's say six months later, he comes back and he finds the office is in a shambles. You haven't done anything that he said to do in those letters. He walks in and the receptionist is doing her nails and playing a video game and nobody's doing any work. And he walks in and he says to you, as you sit there eating a donut and doing nothing, watching a soap opera, what are you doing? Didn't you get my letters? To which you respond, oh yeah, we got your letters, every one of them, once a week. In fact, we have small groups studying them in each place of the office right now. We've broken down the language, we've parsed you know, the, the, the meaning, and, and we've studied them, and, and we're looking deeply into those every week. We've studied them. In fact, some people have even put your letters to their memory. They, they could quote your letter. And the boss says, 
But you didn't do what I put in those letters. You studied them. You memorized them. But the company is a disaster. That's what James is saying. A lot of Christians are famous for hearing preaching, getting into Bible study, all necessary because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17, we all know that. That's a necessary component. Necessary but not complete. Because if we hear the word and we don't act upon it, in another simile that Jesus gives, James gives us a mirror. Jesus gives us a person who hears God's word and does not act upon it is like a person who built his house on sand. If you've ever gone to the beach, tried to set up one of those uh, makeshift volleyball nets, you've got to have the right stuff because sand can't hold it. So you've got to have a holder or you've got to pack the sand and wet it. There's certain ways that you've got to deal with sand. And if you build your house on sand, if you hear the word and you don't act upon it, Jesus says there's going to be a storm, the wind's going to blow, it's going to beat against your house, and your house is going to fall because it wasn't built on the right stuff. I'll show you another man. This is the one who hears God's word and acts upon it. He's like a man who built his house on a rock. And when the storm comes and the winds blow and beat against that house, same storm, that house stands. There are many scholars that believe that Jesus' words there are eschatological. What do you mean, Pastor Michael? They have the idea of the end of things when the storm of God's judgment will come over your life. And those who built on sand will be swept away in the judgment. Those who built on rock will make their stand. Why? Because there's only one foundation that you can build on, and that is Jesus Christ. You can't build on any other foundation. Now, the reverse is also true, that there are some people that believe in doing good deeds without being born again. They're going to be okay. And the Bible doesn't teach that either. The Bible says you must be born again, and then the good works need to flow out of a saving relationship with Jesus. And so a hearer and not a doer looks like this, verse 23. If anyone is a hearer of the word, 23, and not a doer, he is like a man. See the word like? That's what... Uh, we would call a simile. We're given a simile here, or you can call it, um, uh, as Jesus used many parables, it's that kind of idea. It's, it's a way to grab the, the meaning here. He is like a man, the one who hears but doesn't do, who looks at his natural face, literally the face of his genesis, the, his natural face in a mirror. He's like a man who looks at the mirror, but once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. So the word of God is almost like a mirror ministry. If you look up at the image, you can kind of see a, a person who took a glance and then he's walked away. How many of you like Brian Regan, the comedian? Brian Regan is so funny. And he said, hey, he said, have you ever had a friend who had one of those hairs growing just right out like the middle of their forehead? And, or maybe they're a coworker, and it's that hair that you just want to pluck for them. But everybody's embarrassed to tell them about the hair. So people are going around the office and saying stuff like this. Did he notice it yet? Nope, still there. Next day, did he pluck it yet? Nope, still growing out. How does he not see it? I don't know. He must look in the mirror, and maybe it's just this straight kind of thing where somehow it eludes his notice, right? And... And that's kind of the person here. 
It's like they look in the mirror and one writer I was reading this, re- this week, Ralph Martin, said it's the, the idea of it is it's remedial. It's like if you look in the mirror and something's out of whack, you usually want to take care of it, right? Isn't that what a mirror is about? Like you get ready in the morning and I know the ladies put on their makeup and guys maybe shave or whatever and the mirror has some remedial purposes. It's to make you look presentable before you exit stage left. Amen? So why do we look in the mirror? We may pluck a couple things. You know, the ladies are, the guys are, right? And, and what do we do in there? We're trying to fix ourselves up for the day. Well, imagine that uh, you had something not looking so good on your face. And instead of taking care of it, you just go out. Well, then you haven't let the mirror do its job. Part of what James is saying is that if the word of God points out something, then take some remedial action. Don't have a whatever attitude, right? I don't know if that's passe now. Are teenagers still saying that? Whatever. And you got to say it like that. Whatever, right? We don't want to have a whatever attitude to the word, right? And when the word of God goes out, we want to say, okay, I'm going to adjust my life. I have had many times over the years where I heard something from the word and I thought, I'm not doing that. Or that's not how I saw that. And then I have a question. Does this book stand in judgment of me? Or do I stand in judgment of this book? There are a lot of people who will say something like, well, I don't like that part. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I don't like that part of the mirror. I'll look over here, right? And, and we're famous for telling people what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear so that they could make the change. In fact, if we're going to be a good friend to somebody, if a good friend had that hair sticking out, wouldn't you want to say something like, hey, dude, <laughs> you want me to pluck that for you? I'd be happy to, shapoink, you know, if... Or if they have something on their face that isn't so attractive. It can be hard to say something. But you say something because you want to save them the embarrassment. God says to the people of Israel, My people have forgotten me. They burn incense to worthless gods. They have stumbled from their ways from the ancient past to walk in bypaths, not on a highway, to make their land a desolation, an object of perpetual hissing. Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and shake his head. In Ezekiel twenty-two twelve, God says, you've forgotten me. You look at the mirror of my word, but then you walk away and do what everybody else does, says God. But here's the second simile or contrast to the first person. But one who, verse 25, looks intently at the perfect law. And both people mentioned here, it's not just a cursory look. They, they are spending some time looking. One who looks intently at the perfect law. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. Psalm 19, verse 7. God's word is perfect, but here, the perfect law is called what? What? The law of what? Liberty. So many people think, well, if I align my life to God's word in every aspect, then I'm just going to, it's just going to be some sort of bummer. And I'm not, have you ever heard this before? If I get really serious with Jesus, I won't be free to do what I want. 
Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael, and I want to tell you about the store at walkintruth.com. There's 27 products up at the store right now, ranging from things like the teaching on 666 from the book of Revelation, the seven seals from Revelation, Scientology, Jehovah's Witnesses, the anatomy of a fall, how to avoid falling from 2 Samuel, and even teaching on the occult. Most recently, an interview with Frank Sontag about the New Age movement and his personal testimony. Hey, when you go to the store and you purchase a product, you partner with us to reach more people like you. So go to the store, walkintruth.com, click on the store, purchase a product of interest, buy it for a friend, and when you do, you'll be partnering with us to reach more people for the cause of Christ. We love you. We appreciate you. You can also give donations there at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Click on that store and partner with us today. We appreciate it. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. But then you walk away and do what everybody else does, says God. But here's the second simile or contrast to the first person, but one who, verse 25, looks intently at the perfect law. And both people mentioned here, it's not just a cursory look. They, they are spending some time looking. One who looks intently at the perfect law. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. Psalm 19, verse 7. God's word is perfect, but here the perfect law is called what? What? The law of what? Liberty. So many people think, well, if I align my life to God's word in every aspect, then I'm just going to, it's just going to be some sort of bummer. And I'm not, have you ever heard this before? If I get really serious with Jesus, I won't be free to do what I want to do. Maybe not. But you'll be free to do what you were meant to do. You'll be free from sin and death. How's that? Jesus said, the word, if you, just, if you uh, stay and abide in the word, the word, it will set you free. The truth will set you free. And the word of God is truth. Sanctify them in the truth. If you want to be who God has called you to be, if you want to truly be free, then look intently into the perfect law, the law of liberty. And abide by it. The NIV says, continue to do this. This man, not becoming a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. So he looks at God's word. But unlike the first man, he actually does it. He becomes an effectual doer. This man, what's your Bible say? End of verse 25, shall be what? Shall be blessed in what he does. Do you want to be blessed? I think everybody walking around would say, oh, of course I do. Here is the biblical formula to blessing. What is it? Very simple. Look at God's word. Listen to it and do it. That's the key to the blessed life. How blessed is the man, Psalm 1, who, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, right? He... He spends time, he meditates on God's word day and night, and he, she will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water that bears fruit in its season, and whatever that person does, they prosper. Do you want to be that? You want to prosper? Then the key is right here in the book of James. You just hear God's word, 
and you apply it. This man, the second man, is a different kind of listener, and he is, she is a blessed person because they're actually carrying out what their Lord said to do. Now, some specifics in the last couple of verses. Okay, how do you apply? Like, what does God really want from me? Does he just want me to study my Bible? Does he want me to show up to church on Sundays and Wednesdays? What does God really want from me? This is not an exhaustive uh, list of doing, but here are three major things that God wants you to do. Not exhaustive, but for James, these are keys. And here's what he says. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. What if a man or a woman says they're religious? Have you run into somebody who says, I'm spiritual. I'm a religious person. I believe. And you begin to ask some questions. Maybe you get to know this person at work or they're in your family, and you don't see any visible proof or fruit that the belief is actually meaning anything in their lives. They're not applying God's standards, for example, in their morality. They're not applying God's standards in their mouth. They're not applying God's standards at work. And you have to ask some questions like, well, you say you're religious, but does it affect your daily behavior? So this is a person who thinks they're religious. And then James says, this is pure and undefiled religion. This is the untainted form in the sight of our God and Father, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. What is religion? One definition is that it is a set of beliefs that answers the ultimate questions. Like, what is ultimate reality? What is the nature of the world? What is the nature of humanity? What's humanity's main problem? What happens after you die? Such a definition means that a religion does not necessarily include belief in God. I'm quoting somebody else. A set of rituals or a class of clergy or priests. Secularism and Marxism are examples of what could be called religions in that they answer ultimate questions, but they do not teach the existence of a supernatural realm, nor say anything about God. Man has a religious urge, but he must end up serving the right God. And there is such a thing as false religion. There's such a thing as people who say they're religious, but they don't truly know God. Mark Twain said, having spent time with religious people or good people, I can understand why Jesus liked to hang out with tax gatherers and sinners. <laughs> Jesus' harshest words were for religious hypocrites. Think about it. Think about his life. Think about his ministry. Think about the times that he got angry. Think about the times when he really ruffled the feathers and even shocked the disciples. It was in the face of religious hypocrisy. It was not in the face of someone who sincerely said, I'm broken and I need you. If you say, I'm broken and I need you, he's going to have his arms open wide. But if you sit there like this with a smug look, acting like you've arrived and everybody else is wrong and you're right, well, that's where oftentimes false religion comes in. There are zealous people, but zeal does not equal relationship. And so you can say you're spiritual, you can say you're religious. People said to Jesus, what must we do to work the works of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom God sent. I think that's John 6, 29. So three things in James 
uh, application. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, verse 26, and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is what? It's worthless. Okay, illustration number one, example number one, application number one. Yeah, I'm religious, but then when the person goes out, their mouth is destructive. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your mouth will give away your heart. Simply put. Now, all of us could say, okay, I'm a work in progress. I'm not the person I used to be, but I'm not the person I want to be yet. Amen. We're all work in progress. Every now and then, Christians even, oh, I know it's hard. Oh, what happened? Right? Sometimes. But look, if the overall theme of your life is you walk out of here and your mouth is out of control. Think about a bridle. What does a bridle do? It controls what? A horse. So you put the bridle, the bit and bridle on a horse to control like a 1,500 pound animal that could do a lot of damage if it got away and it was kind of freaking out, but you've got it under control. And James says, look, if your spiritual life is really connected to the power source, then your tongue, your mouth will be under control. Won't be perfect, but it will have the bit and bridle. And if you don't bridle your tongue, says James, your religion is worthless. Wow. J. Vernon McGee says, Christianity is not a religion, it's a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. You either have him or you don't have him. Or as J. Vernon used to put it, you're either a saint or you're an ain't. <laughs> right? You could be involved in external religious rituals all day long. Liturgies, routines, ceremonies. You can say prayers. But if your mouth is completely destroying others around you consistently, James says, you better look in the mirror. You better see if the reflection that you're seeing has actually been met by the power and the transforming gospel of Jesus Christ. I noticed after I became a Christian that my language began to change. And it, I wasn't even really trying but I would talk to one of my friends on the phone who wasn't saved, and they pretty much talked like this. We're all surfers, and it was like, dude, dude, and then we bleep, 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 and dude, bleep, 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 dude, 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 bleep, bleep. And after a while, the bleeps began to bother me. And sometimes the bleeps included the name of the God that I serve and the one who saved me and died for me on the cross. And I don't appreciate when his name is used that way. And so it began to hurt my heart when I would hear language like that. Not that I was trying to walk around like some prude who's correcting everybody's language. That, that wasn't my heart. But I just noticed that my language began to change. And now it's just what's natural for me is not to speak that way. And that I would just credit to the glory of God. And I'm sure many of you can relate to this. My mouth isn't what it used to be because my heart has changed. And I think we can all resonate with that. And James is saying, look, this is one of the key measures of how that mirror has actually impacted you. Is your mouth different? 
Do you speak different? Is it bridled? James will give us more on the tongue in chapter 3, but he'll use this kind of language. And this is a good way, if you're taking notes, is your tongue tamed? Or is it filled with poison? To use the bridle analogy, do you need to say to your tongue, whoa, whoa, and rein it in a little bit? Look, we all could probably say, yeah, that's true. And that is when you know things are changing. Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael, and I want to tell you about the store at walkintruth.com. There's 27 products up at the store right now, ranging from things like the teaching on 666 from the book of Revelation, the seven seals from Revelation, Scientology, Jehovah's Witnesses, the anatomy of a fall, how to avoid falling from 2 Samuel, and even teaching on the occult. Most recently, an interview with Frank Sontag about the New Age movement and his personal testimony. Hey, when you go to the store and you purchase a product, you partner with us to reach more people like you. So go to the store, walkintruth.com, click on the store, purchase a product of interest, buy it for a friend, and when you do, you'll be partnering with us to reach more people for the cause of Christ. We love you. We appreciate you. You can also give donations there at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Click on that store and partner with us today. We appreciate it. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com. Dot com.